all of us will have to be aware of the power of AI. So until you start with a small problem, uh, maybe a smaller set of data, and figure it out how this thing works, what language learning model worked best for you, and then move forward. I mean, this is a learning opportunity for basically all of government. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. What's different about AI today and why it's becoming a top priority for federal agencies and how good data management is essential for agencies looking to harness AI. It's Thursday, October 19th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The General Services Administration announced this week that it will use facial recognition for digital identity verification through its login.gov program. GSA's Technology Transformation Services Organization will roll out a proven facial matching technology that relies on what it calls best-in-class facial matching algorithms in 2024 that follows the National Institute of Standards and Technologies 800-63-3 Identity Assurance Level 2 Guidelines. That move comes after GSA found itself in hot water earlier this year when its Inspector General issued a report alleging that it misled customers by billing agencies for those IAL2 compliance services, even though login.gov did not meet those standards at the time. It also comes after in early 2022, GSA announced it wouldn't use facial recognition, at least for the time being, until it felt login.gov could confidently do so in a responsible and equitable manner. And earlier this week at the Google Public Sector Summit presented by Scoop News Group, federal CISO Chris DeRussia detailed how the Biden administration, as it looks to roll out an executive order on AI, is actively discussing procurement and the federal authorization and assessment process as part of that. DeRussia noted that during the fireside chat that the U.S. government must ensure that it has an agile way of assessing the appropriate tools for government use and government-regulated data types when using AI. He said, quote, we can't not do that. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. Artificial intelligence continues to be all anyone in the government technology space can talk about. But as many of you know all too well, AI is not exactly new. It's been a topic federal IT officials have discussed and explored for decades now. So what makes this point in the AI development and adoption cycle any different? Rob Carey, president of Cloudera Government Solutions and a former Navy CIO and Pentagon deputy CIO, joins me to discuss that and what federal CIOs should be thinking about as they look to adopt AI. Rob, welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast again. It's always great to chat with you. How's it going today? Thanks, Billy, for having me. Uh, going great. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, you know, there's there's really one topic that's on everybody's mind these days, and that's artificial intelligence. And uh, I, I don't have to tell you this. It's it's not a new topic. People have been talking about it for, for decades now, but the way it's being used and adopted by federal agencies and really across the world is it's 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 really this inflection point in the, the conversation around AI. So I wanted to start today by asking you what's really different about where we are in the AI cycle today and why is why has it become such a priority, especially in the federal space? Well, it, you know, uh, good question. So, you know, AI has been around in the form of ML for a long time. And we're really literally probably uh, 10 years. Um, and the results 
of the application of the older versions of AI was sort of mixed, right? And now um, the ability to uh, bring in vast quantities of data, organize it, and align it to an algorithm of a vector database and algorithms that make it work. Uh, now you're talking about the generative AI version when we've all seen ChatGPT and some of the other LLMs that are out there, the language learning models. So we're starting to see a stickiness of AI, not a scientific, if you will, application of it. Um, artificial intelligence is the next big word in information technology. And what I mean by that, Billy, is uh, in, in my uh, short 25 years in IT, um, there's really three words have come about. Uh, first one being cyber. If you remember uh, in the early 2000s, cyber wasn't a word. The word was information assurance. And that guy was a pest to everybody on the network telling them what they could and couldn't do. But cyber came about, and now we have, you know, cyber offense, cyber defense, uh, you know, we cybersecurity. So, so that word changed the way we look at the network and the ability to know we have to defend it, right? And then obviously understand uh, attack vectors. The next word that came in about, uh, you know, 2010, 2009 was, uh, 2009 was cloud, right? And, and Vivek Kundra, the then federal CIO, announced cloud first. And, and now we're off and running with a new compute storage platform for all of IT, right? Everybody's networks, put your data, put your applications in the cloud, right? And, and that's been around for, you know, uh, now we're coming up on 14 years or so. But, but the next word that popped out was literally the last 12 months is AI, you know, an acronym. But but AI is that revolutionary game changer because of the ability to configure it to the broadest set of opportunities, ergo, you could say use cases, you could say solutions, operational problems that the government agencies might have. But, but there is a lot of hope resting on the fact that an implementation of AI can both move mission forward and save them uh, resources, right? So so I think that's why the focus is there. Uh, there is AI.gov, the website that is collecting uh, the best practices. There's several hundred of them sitting there. Most of them are in the initiation phase. So they're just starting their journey. But I, I think all of this is very cool. It is, it is clearly the next word. The next revolution in IT is really AI. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly exciting to watch and, and be a part. And I'm glad you mentioned AI.gov because uh, just recently they updated those use cases and there's, like you said, several hundred. And I'm I'm curious if there's any that have stood out to you, one or or a few that um, really show, um, you know, some agencies doing things well early on in this broad category of AI. There, well, yes and no. Um, I, I I browsed it. I mean, there are hundreds there. So you sort of read a few of them. You see some of the agencies are making heavier investments than others in the starting that journey, right? Because the, the initiation phase, there's a few things that are, that are uh, in the operations and maintenance phase. Uh, and I would offer that most of them are ML-based and they've been around for a while, right? Um, and, you know, sort of like checking social securities at the network uh, firewall door. Uh, that's been been done for many, many years, but you can also add add algorithmic changes to that and 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 you could call it AI. So I think the, the good news is the investments are being made in trying to uh, implement this technology 
Um, but I think, again, the, the challenges that will result is you must know the problem you want to solve. You must understand the data sets that you have. You must move them into uh, a vector database. There's a lot of steps that have to take place uh, before you can even sort of run your model and make sure it works. You know, basically the the data lifecycle is being exercised here from collection all the way to the prediction that is delivered through AI. And, and fundamentally underpinning all of that is trusting that data, right? Uh, you, you always heard the, the stage of uh, bad data in, bad data out. Well, it, it definitely plays out here. If your data isn't trusted, uh, then, then your AI algorithms are not going to work. So this becomes uh, a data lifecycle journey resulting in the ability to run uh, sophisticated analytics on it uh, considered uh, as AI. And I know that Cloud Air is very focused on that that concept of of data and and you know uh, making use of data in the cloud and obviously AI uh, as the next step in that iteration. But um, you know, any advice as that sort of data expert on how agencies sh that are looking to adopt AI should really be focusing on their data at this early stage in in the development cycle. Well, I think that the, the, literally the first thing you, the, that the agency have to do, Billy, is identify the problem they want to solve and bound it, if that makes sense. It, because you, you, you can. I think people are getting exposed to things like ChatGPT, where you can ask it a question and it spits out literally pages of answers to you. And so you you have to know what goodness looks like for a specific uh, problem set, right? Which means you have to bound what you're doing and then understand. What's all the data that it that needs to be uh, uh, put through the algorithm to produce the answer that I want? Whether I'm using generative AI or I'm just really running advanced ML, you know, machine learning algorithms on it to give uh, static uh, answers. So that's really the first part, and then you know, bring it into a centralized location. Uh, decide what language learning model you want to use, what vector database you want to use. There's a lot of choices here. That, that can be selected by the agencies. And, and if you go on AI.gov, you can sort of see what people are trying. And then my sense is you can, you know, reach out and talk to the person maybe steering each effort and see, all right, is there a best practice? Is there a specific choice you made? And is it working or not? You know, so that we educate the government writ large about what's working and what's not with this new technology. Uh, for for a second, let's put your your CIO hat on as a former uh, Navy CIO, former uh, principal deputy CIO in the Department of Defense. You know, there's a lot of CIOs out there in the federal space right now um, that want to use AI, but are maybe a little hesitant because it's still in early days, and you know, there, there's risks, uh, abundant risks that we've we've all heard about. Um, and and I'd be curious, what's your advice to those that are hesitant to jump in? for how they can be secure and mitigate risk, but also get started because that's something we hear a lot about. It's 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 time to get started. Yeah, it, and, and it is. So my advice is uh, get started, start, uh, you know, go determine a problem to, uh, you know, cut your teeth on, right? You, you have to, all of us will have to be aware of the power of AI. So you have to, until you start with a small problem, uh, maybe a smaller set of data, um, and figure it out how this thing works, what language learning model worked best for you, um, and then move forward. Right? I mean, this is a learning opportunity for 
basically all of government, right? And the understanding of AI is not limited to data scientists and data engineers, uh, CIOs, CDOs, uh, CISOs. That's that's not where it has to permeate into the organization. And when this works, uh, which it will, um, but it will, you know, you have to understand we're, we're, it will take some effort to get repeatable answers coming out of a uh, DevOps environment that's running uh, a solution that um, we're going to be, we're going to experience some difficulty until we get repeatable answers that I think will enable uh, the staffs to understand this is an assistant to them, right? So the power of AI is really about enabling the staff to operate. You know, we have this thing that man-machine interface, there's a smart person sitting behind a keyboard doing their job. Now think about how to accelerate mission by having a smart man or woman and a enriched smart machine in front of you that together produces the ability to move the mission forward and accelerate the mission and hopefully reduce costs. So, you know, a lot of people talk about, are, are we going to displace people's jobs? Are there lower level mundane things, for example, in cyber that could be handled by the machine? The answer is yes. But are there many, many more things that we're not handling today at volume because we need this tool to accelerate the capability of the individual person in the cybersecurity uh, uh, envelope. So I, I view this as a, all of government needs to understand some level of this. And then, you know, obviously key people need to understand it at depth. Uh, and then it, again, the other statement I would make is to a CIO, this is all about the data, stupid. You know, you, you have to take your view of data and really uh, refine it and make sure that you can en enable AI to perform as you expect, not you know get frustrated because you didn't hand it enough data to do its job. So Rob, as we close out here, one thing I think we're all looking forward to uh, in this space is uh, forthcoming guidance uh, from OMB for federal agencies, as well as a Biden administration executive order on AI, uh, which we've heard could be here soon. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But curious, you know, as that um, you know, guidance and EO are in preparation. What do you expect or what do you hope to see from that? So, you know, my hope is, uh, Billy, that, that there is information on best practices. There is sharing of what worked and importantly, sharing of what didn't work, right? So that we can refine our way forward. There should be groupings of, of problem sets. So think of, uh, you know, in, in education, healthcare, cyber, um, uh, supply chain management, you, you, you have to, to sort of label um, areas where this works because there are likely LLMs and likely potentially vector databases components of the data lifecycle that will change based upon the problem that we're solving, right? So my hope is that uh, the order will likely indicate how to share where to go. There is already AI.gov out there, which is listing a lot of uh, uh, very cool activities in the space. But so by definition, the EO will be promoting the use of responsible AI, right, which is cool. Um, we also know that, you know, AI uh, is a technology that is available to the world. It is not just available to us. So there, there are very, very good things that can come from it, and there are bad things that can come from it. And uh, the government will put out things that 
accelerate the implementation of the good things, but likely will also have to provide for defending against uh, things maybe in cyber that are AI generated by uh, uh, people that are not fond of our government. So I, I expect to see a little bit of both there. I expect to see uh, what, what, what I don't know if I'll see is an expectation that uh, this will be received well in the Congress and it will be funded, right? Mm -hmm. the, the executive order is going to obviously dictate uh, uh, guardrails for the operation, development, and use of AI in the executive agency. So what will be interesting to see is if we get a focused effort in um, certain functional areas that would allow many agencies to take advantage of those successes. So uh, I'm excited that that it's happening. Um, some people are a little frustrated that it's, it's happening faster than they would like. But but again, the technology train is that a seller train. It doesn't really slow down. And this is the one technology in the last 25 years that has really caused the technology train to speed up. Wow. Well, fascinating thoughts as always, Rob. Uh, definitely looking forward to see what comes out of that EO and uh, hope we can talk about it when it does happen. But for now, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Billy. Appreciate it. You can learn more about federal AI adoption at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back next week with brand new episodes. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks as always for listening.